night, brother. Yeah, it certainly was, man. I got got some wind and lots of rain, and I bet I got five-plus inches of rain last night. Easy. Easy. Yeah, we woke up uh, around here around 530. It was just howling like crazy in downtown Chattanooga. The wind, things on my balcony flying everywhere. Then I checked Slack, and I saw how much worse off so many people, not just in Chattanooga, but throughout the South were with uh, houses, apartments, building being torn down. Some local newscasters, those girls had to hide in the middle of their house. It's a uh, crazy situation. Yeah, it, it really was. You know, I, I I didn't realize how bad it was until later this morning. I got up and looked, you know, and uh, I was, yes, swing hinges still standing in my backyard and some mess and stuff like that. But then, you know, uh, realizing what had gone on around in other parts of uh, the South and in, in Chattanooga right here. Uh, yeah, scary. Near miss for a lot of people um, and, and total devastation for others. Just hearts go out to them, and it, it, it's uh, just a bad scene. Hey, we've got the comments open, too. We're keeping you company during the show. Got you right here on the LinkedIn monitoring Facebook as well. Josh Borgman says, hola, that's hello. Bessie Brutigan, she says, hello, Teresa Not, good morning, Andrew Sternknarb, happy Monday, Cecil C, GM, which, good morning, Alex Mayo, love the Ramon shirt, good hey, stuff, all man, right. get, get a right. compliment. Gabba, gabba, hey. <laughs> yeah, you, Bro, you know who we love? We love huh. our sponsor, Triumph Pay. Yeah, Triumph Pay has teamed up do. with great... Triumph Pay has teamed up with FreightWaves to bring you the drive ahead, a broker's guide to market uncertainty. This free virtual event will be focusing on how COVID-19 is affecting the freight industry and what brokers and 3PLs can do to protect their businesses right now. If you're a freight broker and wondering what your next step is, you'll want to tune in on April 23rd at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Central. Registration includes access to the live event, recorded sessions, Q&A with our experts, and a free gift to register. Tell them, dude. Ah, triumphpay.com slash drive ahead. Go there immediately after the show. Good stuff. Let's hit the headline. Let's do it. Nathan Frazier, he says, some trees down, uh, some guys with overalls everywhere at Tranco and Chattanooga is good and safe. Good to hear that. Chris nice. Ort said, hey, guys, back after a few days off with my newborn baby girl, Glad to be back at it. Congratulations, Chris. Yeah, congratulations, Chris. And Derek Staples says, uh, coffee, cheers from Ontario, Canada. Hey, thanks again for joining us on the show, everybody. Cheers. All right, first headline, COVID-19 upbeats. Truck drivers, airline pirates now exempt from Utah's self-declaration request. Brian Strait reports this. On April 9th, Utah Governor Gary Abar issued an order requiring a travel declaration for all vehicles entering the state. On Friday, Abar clarified that order issuing a series of exemptions, including those for truck drivers. During a media briefing on Friday, April 10th, Utah Department of Public Safety Commissioner Jess Anderson, commercial airline employees, truck drivers, public safety officials, active military, healthcare providers, and those who live across state lines but travel into Utah for work are exempt from this order. Those exempt from the order will still receive a notification on their phone, but they can ignore it unless they show signs of COVID-19. <laughs> nice. And for all other drivers, the Utah Department of Transportation will collect the information in an electronic form that individuals will receive via text message upon entering the state. The order requires every individual 18 years of age or older who enters Utah either as a final destination through the Salt Lake City International Airport or on Utah roads to complete a travel declaration form before entering the state. 
Yeah, so, with so many changes, Michael, with so many changes happening, it's hard to keep track of all these because you have waivers going on state by state. You have declarations and changes going on state by state. It can be a little maddening, right? Exactly. And so you're driving into Utah and you receive a text. So I guess you have to pull over and then and then fill out a, 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 a what an application to be able to drive into Utah if you're not carrying one of these essential things. Is that right? I would go to FreightWaves.com for deeper details. We are just uh, reporting this stuff. But with all, yeah. these, these, all these stringent regulations, check with, your, check with your broker and someone who's very familiar with this, maybe even an attorney, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. Kentucky has extended its emergency order for truck drivers delivering essential goods and services. The order was set to expire at midnight Sunday, April 12th last night. The new order extends the exemption to June 1st, 2020. The Nebraska Trucking Association has begun handing out free lunches to truck drivers as part of its Thank a trucker campaign. So happy to see that taking nice, old places. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. So here's how it works. Businesses and individuals can sponsor a free lunch, which will be handed out at locations where truckers frequent. Kids can also draw posters thanking a trucker and submitting them to thank you at nebtrucking.com. The posters will be displayed throughout the state. Why even know a dog name, any? That's nice. That's nice. And here's a, here's another one of people working together here. The UPS Foundation uh, is providing shipping services to a University of Louisville project to create face shields on 3D printers. The project by the university's Additive Manufacturing Institute of Science and Technology, you know it better, Dooner, as Amist, started with a goal of providing face shields to local Louisville hospitals and other first responders. The group has set up four production lines and has a team of 70 volunteers producing 3,000 shields a day. Good stuff, man. Good to yeah. hear and to highlight some of the good things happening. I think it's important with so much negative stuff going on, especially in the news. we got to realize that a lot of uh, logistics providers and companies are standing up. Notwithstanding is the air cargo community, right? They've been responding strongly as well to pandemic supply chain shortages. Yeah, they, cer is, they certainly have. They certainly have. By the way, before I get to this headline, Lauren Rothstein, she says, is this the time to open a new trucking agency? Well, I mean, good luck doing that. It's uh, unless you can really find a key in, in the market right here. You know, you're, you're kind of rolling a ball uphill. Yeah, I, th I think you've got to, You've got to come in strong with a with a real niche uh, to make something happen right now. It would take some serious guts to do that. Yeah. Eric Coolish reports, the aviation and air cargo sectors have mobilized in a big way to help supply personnel protective equipment. That's that PPA we, PPE we keep hearing about, like hand sanitizer, ventilators, masks, uh, uh, coverings, overalls, all those things you need for healthcare providers to battle COVID-19, the coronavirus. But these crises is shining a light on the importance of logistics and supply chain management for helping to save lives, but for also bringing staples and food supplies to populations that are sheltering in place where it's more and more difficult to get the goods that you need. Air transport is being he is being heavily relied on because many emergency supplies are located overseas, right? Uh, or across the country, and air is the fastest mode for getting them where the outbreak is spreading. So here's a rundown of what some companies are pitching in with relief efforts. Let them know, dude. Yeah, here you go. Atlas Air, National Airlines, UPS, FedEx, Kalita Air, STG Logistics, and Radiant Global Logistics are participating in Project Airbridge, delivering emergency loads on under contract with the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, to New York, JFK Airport, Chicago O'Hare, Miami, uh, Los Angeles, Louisville, 
uh, Dallas-Fort Worth and Rickenbacker Airport. Rickenbacker Airport has handled 26 flights out of Shanghai carrying 5.6 million pounds of freight since March 1st, including medical supplies. It, uh, it also was the origin for 187 double-stacked pallets of outgoing metal supplies to the U.S. Naval Hospital in Okinawa, Japan, via a uh, vulgar uh, group charter in late March. Uh, you know what I like about all this? Yeah. It, it, this is an industry that's down on its knees, right? And a month ago, it seemed like there was no hope for the airline industry. They might need a bailout. And if they do, it's great to see them lending all of this support to this crisis, though, and not just not just laying down, waiting for someone to roll them over. Yeah, that's exactly right. Stepping up to the plate and helping get through this. And really, not only through a humanitarian effort, but to get us back on track, keep us going, make sure that, that uh, you know, we can, we, can, we can come back from this. You know, we can fight this quickly, get this, get this behind us, and, and let's move forward and celebrate victory over uh, COVID-19, right? Let's do it, man. Boeing, you mentioned these face shields, the 3D printed face shields. Well, on Friday, they delivered their first set of these reusable face shields. Uh, it is manufacturing uh, in multiple locations. They're using 3D printers. Cool to see a use for that. United Airlines is providing, get this, free round trip flights for medical volunteers who want to treat coronavirus patients in New York City and California. Medical volunteer organizations are coordinating travel for doctors, nurses, and other medical professionals from across the country. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and there's so much more that we haven't even mentioned. You know, uh, CMA or yeah, CMA CGM and and their subsidiary Sivo creating a, an air bridge to bring supplies to Europe and France last week. Uh, millions of of respirators, etc., being delivered. There's so much out there. It really is, like you said before, it's great to see this industry uh, that was about on the verge of collapse getting getting coming back together. Man, let's uh, you know, can we get a witness there on some of those comments? Some amens from some people. We, we're, we're banding together quite nicely. Well, you got a Abdullah Kambaya says, hi, my best friend. How are you? We are doing excellent. I hope you're doing well as well and didn't experience the weather we did last night. Yeah. Uh, wide ranging deal on cutting oil supplies gets a yawn from the market. So this happened. Nobody cared. John Kingston reports after what amounted to four days of online and behind the scenes horse trading. The deal announced on April 12th to cut a bit less than 10 million barrels per day. This had been a big topic of oil supply and possibly more was created by markets overnight and into money but what amounted as a giant shrug nobody cares i maybe because nobody's really driving right yeah there's a big yawn oil but oil prices have started to move higher earlier this month when reports broke in early april that there would be uh, a resumption of the talks among the major oil exporters uh that could also lead to a, a, a detente in the week's old price war between saudi arabia and russia but that proved to be short-lived as the uh, usual rifts in the OPEC uh, plus group emerged between Saudi Arabia and Russia and then uh, and then Mexico, right? So a giant... <sighs> Yeah, we heard this talked about a lot. Uh, President Trump in the negotiation was seen as significant, but the, the fact that the U.S. was uh, seeking to work with OPEC to boost prices marked a total reverse of all U.S. policy in the past, except for a brief period in the late 80s under Reagan administration after the collapse in prices. So this is a tough situation. Going to see how this works out. Um, you know, I, depending on how much, uh, you know, uh, how much uh, value you give to oil here. Yeah, exactly. And what the demand is moving forward. Uh, you know, right now, not a lot of people traveling and moving around. So Melissa and Jerry Cooper say good morning, guys. You know who we're going to say good afternoon to is our chief meteorologist. It is Nick Austin. Let's dial him up. All He'll right. get us up to speed on what's happening with these storms. If uh, if there's any more on the horizon for us yeah. and what we can be expecting, yeah, assess but... some of the damage for us. 
Yeah. I bet Nick's a little busy. Here he comes. Hey, Nick, how are you, man? Hey, I'm good. Did you uh, make it through the storm last night just fine? Uh, I did. The uh, tornado came pretty close to my neighborhood, though. It, it missed it by just a few miles. Yeah. The one that hit um, just east of uh, downtown Chattanooga. So, yeah, I made it through okay. I was uh, I was hiding in my uh, closet underneath my staircase. Oh, That's the safest place in my house. There was a, yeah. a there was about 34 tornadoes, right? At least 34 that battered the south. Uh, last I checked, there was at least 18 deaths. So some pretty horrible storms. But get us up to speed. What happened last night? Well, there was basically a major clash of warm air in, uh, along the south with cold air coming out of the Midwest. And this time of the year, especially in the south, when that happens, you often get severe storms. So this is the prime time of the year for it in the south, March, April, and May. So, um, you know, clash of the air masses, you had a lot of other things coming together in the atmosphere, too. And you just get those uh, those rotating winds, those big thunderstorms, and sometimes they drop tornadoes down. Happens a lot uh, in the springtime, this time of the year in the south. And, uh, but it happened over across so many states. I mean, it was from Texas all the way to South Carolina from yesterday up into the wee morning hours of today. So uh, it covered a pretty broad area as far as... Um, the areas that got damaged. Yeah, so Nick, this is Mike. Good morning to you, Nick. I'm glad, or good afternoon, I should say. I'm glad you made it through safely. I did as well out in out in Middle Valley. But uh, so, okay. is the damage and and uh, you know the outbreak last night? Do we see any any potential for freight disruptions uh, caused by this? Is there any infrastructure damage there? By the way, guys, yeah, Amanda I, Miller, just real quick, Nick, Amanda Miller on yeah. LinkedIn, she says the storms ravaged us in Alabama. We definitely saw some of those uh, some of those damages, too, online. Wow. Oh, yeah. I think I think, I think some areas near, in or near Tuscaloosa got hit hard and many other parts of Alabama. And that's the thing. It's, you know, a hurricane, the, the, the damage is always going to be much more widespread. But because so many severe storms and tornadoes hit so many states um, over a pretty short period, there, there probably will be minor uh, freight flow disruptions just because, not necessarily on interstates, but especially once uh, truckers get uh, off the interstates onto a lot of the surface streets or secondary roads trying to pick up or drop off. Uh, they're, they're going to hit areas in a lot of those um, damaged uh, neighborhoods and those damaged cities where there will still be trees down blocking roads. There will still be probably live power lines blocking roads. There's still hundreds of thousands of customers across the south uh, without power, and their crews still cleaning a lot of that stuff up. So they, they'll have to go around those areas. Um, so I would say, yeah, there's probably going to be some, some minor disruption across the south. Wow. And and so I, I would imagine with the, you know, uh, social distancing and obviously what's going on with uh, COVID-19, that some of this recovery effort is going to be, uh, you know, from these storms, this cleanup effort, et cetera, is going to be a little bit difficult, all right? Uh, very well could be. Could go a little, a little, little slower than normal um, as far as getting power restored and to those areas and maybe getting things uh, cleaned up. Um, yeah, I would say it'd probably go a little little slower than normal. So, Do, uh, they, do they have less staff on hand, Nick, during situations like this because of the coronavirus for all these people deemed essential? I know that on the news we're seeing uh, the governor's office and everything saying that recovery efforts and and uh, making sure people are safe and not buried within their homes take precedence over social distancing and all that. But uh, what's the situation? Well, I mean, I can't make that call, but I would certainly say that 
any crews that are helping restore power, any, you know, emergency management folks, uh, police, you know, any of those people who would normally be involved in, a, in this, this kind of a situation, that they're essential. Um, and, you know, they should social distance as much as they can when they're out there in the field, I suppose. But but they're certainly essential. I mean, those those folks are definitely needed in situations like this, Red Cross, whoever it is that, you know, normally helps in this situation uh, when severe weather hits uh, so many areas like this. So uh, I would consider them essential, that's for sure. No, of course. And do you, so are we, what's in the forecast for the rest of the week? Is there another dose in store for us? Are things looking, are we in the clear? What's going to happen next? Um, at least the next few days, it does not look like there's really much of a, of a severe weather threat uh, as far as thunderstorms or tornadoes. So uh, that's the good news. It's mainly uh, for another few hours today along the East Coast. Uh, but uh, as far as any major outbreak like we had, um, it looks pretty safe for the next few days. I, I don't see it happening. So that's the good news. Uh, and a lot of those areas of the South will see dry weather. The one thing I do want to mention, though, that even though most of the storms have cleared the South, those areas that got uh, hit yesterday and overnight, there's still going to be a lot of gusty winds off and on. So that's going to be trouble for drivers out there, too. Um, still going to be wind gusts like 40 to 50 miles an hour in, uh, across a lot of the south, parts of the northeast, too, uh, where the storms are hitting now. So um, that's not going to go away until later today. But as far as a tornado threat, we're looking good for, I think, the rest of the week, at least for the next three or four days. Yeah, what about the rest of the country in terms of not just tornadoes, but weather in general? What's going on there? Next few days look good. I mean, there's going to be heavy snow um, in some areas, but uh, no blizzards, you know, no large uh, high-impact winter storms, late-season winter storms. So uh, looking pretty quiet overall. Great. And, Nick, you write an article all about this stuff, and you do a couple daily on FreightWaves TV. You do a couple daily weather updates. Let people know where to find that stuff. Yeah. um, Well, yeah, the article is on FreightWaves.com, and – uh, my Twitter handle is at Freight Weather, so I post the stuff there as well. And uh, on all of the Freightways uh, social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, on the company account. So they can find all that stuff there. Thank you, Nick. Nobody's looking for you on a sunny day, but after a tornado, you're you're in high demand. <laughs> <laughs> well, anytime, I'll help out you all. Take it easy. Well, good stuff from from Nick there. I mean, very unfortunate situation what happened here in the south. I'm not one that's used to tornadoes being from the the northeast myself. We had one in Springfield a few years ago. It was kind of out of the blue, but that's really my only experience. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. You know, being from the Northeast myself, I didn't have much experience with it at all until actually I moved to Chattanooga, who that didn't really have much experience uh, at all either till somewhere around 2011. Is when we no. started, like on a yearly basis. Now there's always a concern for tornadoes, which is. Hey, we're going to call up. We're going to call up a great company in a minute who's been spreading awareness about COVID-19, 53 feet at a time, putting on truck trailers. But first, we have a question, Michael. Maybe you can take this one from Facebook. It's Luis Macho Neves. He says, "Good morning. How long are rates going to stay down? Well, how long, Michael? Uh, for for a while, I think. I don't think we've seen the bottom of them yet. Actually, it, you know the. We're going to go into this a little bit more in depth, but the, the you know the downward drop in volume is still there, and uh, we're seeing capacity still uh, become more and more loose or loosening situation in capacity, which is uh, 
lowering that pressure on on rates or driving 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 rates down right now, at least over the country as a whole. Uh, there are markets where there are opportunities for some higher rates, et cetera. But um, right now, you know, over overall, it's 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 down, and for the foreseeable future, it should be going down. Now, hopefully, it'll be it'll be leveling off, and hopefully, we can get back to work here at least parts of the economy soon, and it'll start coming up. But I think you're looking at, you know, at least at least uh, you know a few more weeks, month of low rates. Yeah, we'll cover this more in depth next segment. First, we got to call Angela. She's uh Angela Balatakis, let's dial her up. Let's see what she's been doing to spread awareness about COVID-19. Excited for this call. Nate Tabak, our yeah. Canadian correspondent. He connected with her, a trucker, did this great story over the weekend on these uh, these amazing trailer wraps. They're, they're talking about social distancing and uh, flattening the curve and getting Hello. that message out there. Hey, Angela, it's Dooner and the Dude with Freight Waves. You are on What the Truck. Thank you for joining us. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, How are you? We're, we're, we're good. We had uh, some tornadoes down here, but most of us and the staff have been okay. Uh, some parts of down here were not as lucky, including a, a Goodwill, which just got decimated. But all in all, um, oh we're, we're intact. I know it was some tough weather and at a tough time where, you know, hospitals are already strained. And fortunately, in terms of coronavirus and stuff like that, Hamilton County hasn't been hit that hard yet. So uh, hopefully there's some capacity to help the victims that were injured around around here. You are spreading awareness about COVID-19, though. Tell us a little bit about your company. Um, I own an agency called Big Rig Rats. Um, it's a transport truck advertising company. Uh, we started in 2013, and we've put hundreds of trucks on the road over the years. Wow. And so the story we covered on Freightwaves was talking about you getting into the market of the stay-at-home movement, the flatten-the-curve movement. How did yes. you get, get involved in that segment? It was just an idea I had. Um, we've done a lot of um, public service messaging, you know, for nonprofits, charities, and it just occurred to me that one day, why aren't we doing this for the stay home and stay and save lives messaging? Yeah, no doubt. How important is it to you to highlight the efforts of truckers and frontline workers? Well, very important. Um, that was part of the reason why we decided to do that that wrap. Um, part of it was, you know, to send home the messaging to the general public, but also to help elevate the trucking industry. Um, I think up until recently, a lot of people didn't realize how important they were and, you know, how much we depend on uh, the trucking industry. The whole, you know, country would shut down within three to five days if trucks stopped rolling. So it's very important uh, to recognize what they, what they do for us. So, Angela, are you are you seeing? Was there a need there that you saw? Like, uh, is, is there a sentiment there that uh, people aren't taking the stay-at-home uh, uh, advice or mandate uh, serious enough? Is, is was that part of the driving force? Absolutely. Um, I know. I think it's you know some people weren't taking this as seriously as they needed to. I know you know my own family. We've been home for a month. <laughs> We're yeah. working from home. You know, our, our kids are at our doing their schoolwork from home. Um, you know, we're trying to do our part to stay home and, you know, stay out of the stores and not, you know, see our outside family and friends. And, you know, we just want this over with as fast as everybody else does. And we figure if we do our part, you know, that'll uh, hopefully, if everybody does their part, this will be over with quickly. You spoke to Shelly Unvel Hesh, um, uh, who got one of these wraps from you. What was her sentiment and what has other truckers' sentiments been in this time uh, about COVID-19 and working through this crisis? They've had a really tough time. 
they've had a really tough time. I'm not, I'm not sure. I can't speak to what it's been like across the border, but I know here in Canada, they were, you know, there was truck stops that were closed down. Um, restaurants were closed and they couldn't go through with their trucks. Um, they went and they weren't allowing them to walk up. Um, you know, one of the things that I found really upsetting is the, some of the places where they were picking up and dropping off freight, they weren't allowing the truck drivers to use their facilities. So, you know, and it's not fair because they, I wouldn't class them as, as important as the doctors and nurses, but they're a very close second. Oh my goodness. Like if it weren't for them, we wouldn't have medical supplies. We wouldn't have water. We wouldn't have fuel. We wouldn't have food. You know, trucking is so important. And, you know, if this helps elevate, you know, trucking as a whole, as a result, then, you know, we, we did a good job. Um, we will be doing other wraps. We already have uh, two other trucks that are on the road that are wrapped with uh, the government of Ontario messaging. Same kind of thing, you know, stay home, save lives. Uh, wash your hands, <laughs> that type of thing. And, uh, you know, we hope to put, um, you know, another 50 to 100 trucks on the road with the same kind of messaging in different parts of Canada and the United States. Yeah, she brings up a great point, Michael. I mean, just even just seeing goods in stores, sure, some toilet paper may be missing. It might be hard to find Lysol wipes. Uh, but still, a lot of the food is still, is still there, a lot of the stuff that you still like need to eat and survive, and it does so much in aiding just national complacency and keeping us all from rioting. We're, we're going through these tough times being stuck in home because we're not suffering from that scarcity of goods. I mean, I would put truckers right up there with the nurses and frontline workers because there's a medical supply yeah. chain just as there is any other one. Yeah, I agree with you, I Dooner. Agree. I, I, I agree. I just don't want to offend anybody, but I agree. <laughs> no, I'm with you, Angela and Dooner, both both of you. You know, when you were saying that the doctors and nurses, you know, you're high, they're, they're the highest, and then slightly below them are the truckers. I see them really as... as you know they're they're equal. the 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 supply chain's got to get the the yeah. materials there, and the, and the the respirators and and so on need to be there for those doctors to perform their work. And as Dooner pointed out, uh, you know, just as essential the the actual physical health of the country or, or of the world is is you know you know our psyche, our psychological health, uh, which is being obviously <laughs> you see the unfortunate news of it's being strained to its its max in many places. Uh, you know, with with suicide side rates and so on and so forth, uh, dealing with this crisis and just those little things that you know you can go out there and get, truckers are bringing those, right? Yeah. And they're putting themselves at risk by doing so. Yeah. You know, they're heroes. And and that's like, we've had a campaign running on social media for weeks now where all we do is, uh, you know, post stuff about the trucking industry and we tag it. Truck drivers are heroes. Honk for truckers because <laughs> they are, you know, they, they should be recognized uh, just as highly as everybody else who's, you know, putting themselves out there and putting themselves at risk as a result to, you know, keep us all safe. Hey, we're doing these messaging, these billboards, 53 feet at a time, putting them on tractor trailers. How do you measure the like, how do you KPI the effectiveness of these campaigns, not just in this instance, but in general? Oh, well, we just started. <laughs> so I, I can't I can't speak to that. Literally, um, three trucks just went on the road between Wednesday and Friday of last week. So um, as far as effectiveness is concerned, I guess that remains to be seen. Um, we've been in this industry for six years, and, you know, we know it's an effective way to reach the masses, and it literally reaches every uh, demographic. However, everybody's supposed to be at home. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so, I think, you know, I, 
I think Angela, he's asking. Yeah. He's. I, I think Dooner's question is more. Uh, you know, how effective are these campaigns in general? Not not specifically to the stay at home. How do you measure those? What are what are their percentages there? I'm not sure how to answer that. Um, are you asking exactly like how we would report this back to a client? Just in general, in terms of the billboards, like um, how do you just rate responses and everything, people seeing them? Yeah, again, I'm not sure. Um, (laughs) The tough thing with out-of-home advertising is it's hard to measure exactly how many people saw the ad or um, how the result of it was. I do know we use trip reports from our trucking partners, and um, we convert that data with Ministry of Transportation data to give them an idea of, you know, how many people may have seen the ad. What we are doing that I think is going to be really effective is we're doing a whole social media campaign around it, and we're using all of the major platforms, and and it's all about, you know, the trucks and the messaging on the trucks, and I believe some of our partners are even going to have some contests around them, so... Nice. I noticed on your site it said 91% of all people notice the words and pictures on trucks. Anecdotally, I, I know I do. And I noticed the ones that aren't there, too, like when New England Motor Freight went away, because it's just so iconic of, of where I grew up with those NEMF trucks. And I imagine these campaigns, even if you don't notice them right off the bat, psychologically, they stick with you. That's right. Yes. And we use, you know, our stats are obtained from the Outdoor Advertising Association and over here in Canada from Calm. Like, they, they're the ones that are the leaders in that type of uh, information. Um, we do know that transport truck advertising as a whole kind of exists where people are already traveling and commuting. And um, it's noticed, it's interesting, and it's non-intrusive. Wow. How do people uh, learn more? And if they want to get one of these rats, how do they go about doing that? Um, they could visit our website and reach out to us there. Um, we have a couple of different website addresses. We have transporttruckadvertising.com and uh, bigrigwraps.ca. Wow. Angela, thank you so much Excellent. for your time today. We appreciate it. Good stuff. Well, uh, you know, yeah. great getting that message out there. And you know what? Speak of a targeted audience, you want people to stay home who are driving. Well, put it on a truck so they see it right where they're they're driving. You know, get off the road. Stay, uh, stay safe. By the way, Laura L. Valdez on Facebook, she writes... OMG, y'all are flipping stupid. I just can't believe the sheeple. What the hell is common sense? Or where the hell is common sense? Mine or yours, Laura? I'm not sure what she's referencing here. I think she's talking about social distancing, people staying at home, people staying safe. Um, Maybe she could put some more context to her comment than making some sort of ad hoc statement like that, Laura, that would be a suggestion I'd make to you. Yeah, David, I, I, would, I would hope that she's just referencing the fact that uh, as, as you and I, I mean, as we're having these conversations and we do over and over again, we, we have the exact same thought processes. Come on, people. I mean, this is life or death. Stay at home. Do the social distancing. It is appearing to work. Let's make sure we see this through, right? Hopefully that's what she's she's referencing. I would agree. Catherine Whitehouse says there is no better form of advertising than a moving billboard with a timely and important message on it. Hey, Catherine, I would agree. She's from Jones's Express. Especially if it's in the left-hand lane there, Dooner. Yeah, and Derek Staples says, go Destiny Star. Now we had a couple of freight questions. That's great, because this is a segment right now. We're going to talk about freight, freight volumes, what uh, happened last week, what's going on right now, what to look for this week. And let's start out with a couple of questions, Michael. The first one is... From Catherine Freight Internet or Condessa Freight International, she said Laredo is a mess. What is your insight on that market? Yeah, Laredo is a mess. It's uh, so the, the it the 
outbound tender rejections are, are skyrocketing as uh, the volumes are increasing and you have this fragmented market uh, so that the, the capacity is not reacting to it or hasn't reacted to it uh, like it probably normally would in a normal situation. And so you've got this extreme tightness of capacity uh, down there. And so that, that's basically what's going on. Yeah. Uh, what's let's here? David OG, he says, update on outbound freight. So in the market in general, so maybe we'll start there. What's yeah. going on with outbound freight in general across the country? Yeah. So, uh, you know, Seth Holmes, as he reported, the national outbound freight volumes have gone uh, have have gone away faster than they came. Right. It is it is it is dropping off a cliff faster than it than it rose. Uh, I don't think that's any secret. We've been reporting on that for the for the last week. The coronavirus giveth a freight frenzy, as he says, and the coronavirus taketh said frenzy. Uh, So the outbound tender volume index, which is it's indexed from March 1st, 2018, and it's the truckload volume. It was indexed at 10,000 on March 1st, 2018. Uh, and so we measure the, the volume of uh, tendered loads, truck loads, and it is flatbed, refrigerated, and drive-in. And so that has been dropping uh, since the peak that was uh, uh, somewhere around, I guess, the 27th uh, of March that has that has been dropping as we as we predicted this this massive influx in this uh, of of or demand for capacity from all this volume moving through panic buying and preparedness buying whatever you want to call it uh, was not sustainable. Uh, the argument was how long was that going to last? Well, we started to see that start to deteriorate, and then through last week, it's just been pretty much a a free fall, uh, and it has dropped to about normal levels. Now, it's interesting to try and uh, look at what has happened uh, over this particular uh, this particular weekend, Dooner, because it was Easter weekend, right? Uh, and so you can't really look at it year over year. Uh, because Easter weekend was the 19th last year. So it's not one of those holidays that falls, uh, you know, on the same date every year. And so it, it, uh, you can't really look at that, that year over year. And so there, there's some interesting things that, that kind of happened uh, last week. So, you know, the, the supply chain, uh, the DHL supply chain power index came back to a 45, uh, showing it in, in favor of, of shippers. Uh, you're looking at volumes have been dropping overall in the United States. There's still very uh, volatile markets, and you need to keep that data updated uh, or look at updated data, real-time data on a daily basis, like through through Sonar, which I use, obviously, and, and has all of that information in there by market, even imports and exports and rail, uh, maritime, air cargo, et cetera. got to be looking at all these players to see what is what is going on. Um, but you know, spot rates are also plummeting, uh, and we, we you know we saw that through uh, the truckstop.com uh, spot rates, which we also have in in Sonar and our own predictive rates inside Sonar, which are showing that spot rates are are ob- absolutely dropping, and the pressure is is on for them to continue to drop. Um, hey, but- Michael, Steve Ferreira, he says, uh, hey. Hey guys, lapel guy checking in. Yeah, he's actually, I think he's starting, I don't know if this was a joke or not, a revival joke, but he's starting a YouTube channel, maybe called OK Boomer, and I think it's absolutely hilarious. Great marketing <laughs> there, Steve 
Ferreira. Uh, I had a question for you. So you mentioned that DHL supply chain pricing power index, and that's at 45. Now, earlier in the year, it was all the way down at like 20. And this is an index that measures uh, pricing power between carriers and shippers. So even with all these things we're talking about, it's still in a better position than it was just a few months ago before the coronavirus took hold. So my question is, is that index misleading at the moment because it's only highlighting certain markets? Well, I think that index needs to be will be updated this week with with further data, right? So that forty five when it dropped, I think it dropped from like a sixty five to a forty five or fifty five to forty five or whatever it was. Um, you know, it, volumes were were dropping for certain, but they were still elevated above what would be normal or or last year, right? And so, and tender rejections were still elevated above that ten percent. Mark. Now they have now dropped into the six percent, five percent range across all, uh, really all lengths of haul, as well as the volumes have dropped as well. So I would suspect that 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 forty-five will probably come down a little bit more. Yeah, market volatility is uh, is the state of the industry right now. What what else do people have to look forward to or not look forward to right now? <laughs> I think what it is right now, it, it, it's really, it's, it's just a, it, it is a, it's a timing game right now, right? We're starting to see uh, the coronavirus curves flatten uh, hospitalizations in New York, the hot zone of New York. I saw Cuomo today talking about how it has actually come down. Uh, the intubation, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, instances is starting to decrease. So they've hit that, they've, they feel they've hit that, that peak and are starting to come down and flatten and actually come down off that curve. And I think as we see that more and more throughout the country, that incredibly difficult uh, decision uh, or directive that Trump needs to make as to when we go back to work and how we do is coming pretty quick. And, uh, and I'm, I'm glad I don't have that, that call. That's, that's one of the hardest calls the president's going to have to make is, is when do we go back to work during this coronavirus, right? You got to think about the, 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 the public health, obviously, uh, but then also the public health post-coronavirus. What does the economy look like? If we're looking at some reports that I've seen, uh, you know, some are calling for billions in poverty after this and a great recession-like situation for a couple of years. That's worst-case scenario, and I hope we certainly avoid that and can get back to work uh, uh, sooner sooner than later. So uh, it, it goes back to that old, uh, you know, when do we start going back to work? And, and that's going to be difficult. And that's that's really what we're looking at in 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 the freight markets as well is when do things start coming back online and what is going on in different areas like looking at imports. Imports have been rising uh, uh, for the last uh, week and a half. Uh, and looking at uh, 20 of the largest ports that export into the United States, just looking at their exports into the United States, 15 of them are up between 9 and 34, uh, 34.5%, depending on the port. But they're, they're, there's definitely an uptick in imports into the new United States. And I'm just looking at the specific ports of origin because that's one of the things you can do in sonar, and it's very important to look at that for your supply chain and look at what type of capacity you're using in the, in the, the international routes for, for planning your supply chain, avoiding disruptions etc. Um, so, and when you look at the maritime imports into the United States, you know, the average over the last year is about 16, the index is about 16,938, and we're at 15.1. Uh, and to put that into perspective, the largest deficit was on March 1st, where we were 70% below last year. 
right? Now, everybody's going to say, oh, uh, Chinese New Year. Yeah, okay, but it was measuring Chinese New Year against Chinese New Year. So it was 70% below last year with the same holiday situation. Now we're back to only 11% down, Dooner, which is, Mikko, is pretty strong makeup. Mitko Stojanov, he's an owner-operator, he said in New Jersey, with the low rates, high insurance rates, there will be a lot of truckers out of business. We're seeing a lot of this sentiment online, and I think it's a byproduct of those rates escalating and then dropping so quickly. I don't think I've ever seen so many truckers and carriers just angry about the current circumstances that are going on with that give and take in market volatility. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing anybody can really do about it except really try and get that and try and play the game as smart as you possibly can, and hopefully we get through this as quickly as possible. We want to get out there and work. We want things to get better. We're sick of staying indoors and being at home and not socializing. We're very social creatures in a very social uh, 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 uh you know, a society, and we want to do these things, but we need to hang on a bit longer to make sure that we get through this, and hopefully, uh, people like him can can make through this. And and, and what is it? Ninety five percent, I think, of a, of the trucking companies are considered small business. So, are are they able to take part in the stimulus package to help? You know, gap this this next month or so, and hopefully, we get back to work and things start to rise. Yeah, Condessa Freight. They say. Laredo northbound 280 a mile southbound to Laredo 80 cents a mile this is what they're dealing with and this is only when a shipment appears to be back all brutal stuff there Bill yeah. uh, Stankowitz he is from Savannah supply chain he says uh, great job guys uh, should we bring Emily Zink up and see what's a big deal and what's a little deal this week we could we could do that I think Let's that's a great it. idea okay let me call yeah. her at home and see if she's awake yet Okay, let's bring her up there. Is she, <laughs> is she speaking of Nebraska, is she walking any right now? <laughs> Here she comes. <laughs> Emily okay. Zink, she is uh, GM of media, GM of uh, content over here at Freight Waves, making the magic happen, keeping she's all here. this together. We have to work remote and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Our viewers she can't tell she's here, but she's me. here. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Oh, there we go. Here Delay on I'll moving the camera. You, talk, you can I'll hear move my me. Hand. Here you go. There go you go. Hey, guys, guys how are you doing well, today? Emily, well, they set you up. Thomas Smiley Jr., he says, uh, this is supply and demand. Trucks raise rates when there is oversupply of freight, and shippers lower rates when there is an oversupply of trucks. Why isn't this simple supply and demand being understood? What is the answer for trucks? Are you asking the government to step in and set rates? Capitalism goes out the window then. So he's saying, you know, he's just pointing out that there's two sides to this relationship, right? Yeah, and I don't disagree with what he's saying, but I, I mean, what we're talking about is, is, you know, I don't want to see, I would rather see rates go up and there be a strain on capacity because of a the economy's on fire and there's more volume than the capacity can hand, handle. Not that rate, that that volumes have died and people go out of business, right? And, and, and that's what the government is really trying to do is we've got to lock down, we've got to shut down, and there's going to be people who are, are not going to be able to work. So... Can we subsidize them to get them through these few months, hopefully, or month, month and a half, until we come out to the other side? Nice. Good answer there. Well, I'm ready. Hopefully. There we go. Hello, everybody hey, at home. Now, I told you. I, my feelings are hurt. They forgot that my team forgot I was going to be on TV today. So the camera <laughs> was not set, but that's okay. I yeah. told them on Slack. 
I, we have we, everything everyone told me. It's a Monday, so we we it could is. give them some grace. Well, a nonprofit relief fund to help the sick and injured truck drivers out there is seeing an increase in donations. The St. Christopher Truckers Development and Relief Fund recently got some major donations from companies like C.H. Robinson and Loves. Is this a big deal or a little deal, Vincent? Oh, I'm up first. Yeah, yes. great. Uh, this is an easy one. It's a big deal. It's awesome. It's another example of people coming together and making sure that we take care of those people that we need to take care of. Uh, this is a fund that does great work and always has and has been struggling to get uh, those those donations because one of their biggest uh, biggest events uh, was canceled because of the coronavirus. And it's great to see that these companies are stepping up and, and funding this because it's it's great stuff. Is this the Matt's Relief Fund that yeah. all the money from Matt's mm-hmm. went to this? Oh, that's right. huge news to hear yeah. then. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, big deal. I hope that we have been helping with that a little bit on our coronavirus freight market update. Vincent, you and I have been highlighting the good things that have been happening in this industry at the end of that show. And we have made sure to keep in that reminder about that relief fund and how its its big funding event was, Matt's. Now, that wasn't happening. So we're seeing companies step up and fill up those koi first. So, yeah, huge deal. Uh, everyone needs a little helping hand right now. Yeah, agreed. And, and one last thing. I don't think that, uh, you know, really the people from um – you know, uh, Triumph Pay would would be upset if I said go to the truckersfund.org and then go to Triumph Pay. <laughs> I don't think, think they would right have a problem that? with that. I think they would be totally fine with cool. that one. Yeah, definitely a big deal there. Where social media was a buzz last week when people saw videos of farmers dumping milk. Basically, they were just pouring milk out onto the ground, but farmers say they weren't doing this for a bad reason. They say they actually disposed of the milk because massive and sudden loss in the markets. More than half of the nation's restaurants are closed right now, so sales of cheese are actually down 70%, and some 44% of the nation's cheese is sold through food through the food service channel. So, Dooner, people were very outraged about this milk being dumped out, but there is a reason. Is this a big deal or a little deal? I think that the big deal about this is it's sort of like the toilet paper. It's highlighting how supply chains work, and it's giving people an education in supply chains. So they get mad about the toilet paper, or they get mad about the milk, but then when they look into the story and when news media outlets like ours and others point out that there's a toilet paper supply chain that is both residential and commercial, they're completely separate things. You can't just pivot supply chains overnight like that. The same thing happens with milk. There's a dairy industry that supports, dairy collectives that support the restaurant industry, and dairy collectives that support the grocery industry. They're not the same thing. They can switch manufacturing and pivot, but it takes time. Supply chains don't turn overnight. It's a delicate and hard situation. Um, So they're not just pouring out milk to watch poor people starve. So I don't think that's the situation there. So I think it's a big deal in the sense that I love that if there's any good byproduct of all of this, it's giving people that education about supply chain. I echo the big deal, and beyond the education is that this isn't just an instance because of right now with coronavirus, right? All the food donations moving to poor countries and poor locations, half of it rots on the docks, et cetera, because of infrastructure and logistics. So uh, transparency, collaboration to fix this type of thing and be able to fit, pivot is hopefully something that comes out of this, and hopefully we keep our attention on and, and can fix some of those things. Yeah, very good point there. Well, Amazon's reign as the e-commerce king is being tested like never before. The trillion-dollar company has had to radically shift the way it operates. This has sent consumers to competitors' websites to get goods Amazon is intentionally delaying 
or they do not have in stock. Vincent, is this a big deal or a little deal? What strikes it as big deal to me is uh, intentionally delaying. And even at the very beginning when they shifted and said, you know, third parties couldn't sell this uh, non-essential goods. So they were only uh, selling and shipping non-essential goods that were produced by Amazon, that were Amazon labeled, right? I mean, that was that was the thing. And that that was in my brain what stuck out first was that. So uh, kind of a big deal because it's the intentional delaying of certain things. If that's true, I don't know. Uh, but other than that, I'm going to give it overall my score is a little deal because people are going to get upset about this. Uh, and then in four months when they need something that's cheaper on Amazon and they can get it faster, they're going to order from Amazon. Forget all about it. I think it's a big deal because Amazon, what is Amazon? Like anybody, they're a service provider, right? And if you can't get your goods in two days, like everyone had been trained to get them, then you start looking elsewhere. When you start looking elsewhere, you create new habits and you create new behavior. So you start going on Walmart's app and you learn to order from there. And you go on Target's app and you order from there. I've had to start doing a lot of my sourcing from both of those over Amazon because they don't ship you non-essentials from a lot of sellers anymore until like late April or May or even, even further down the road. So Amazon's value proposition to me has changed quite a bit and fundamentally it is creating new behaviors. And I think that's going to happen with a lot of consumers. So I think that it's a big deal. I mean, I think Amazon recovers pretty much just fine. It highlights some weaknesses in how Amazon runs operations, but Amazon's a highly efficient, optimized supply chain. So when you are that efficient, you're probably the most susceptible in black swan events like this. But overall, I mean, I think that this is going to propel e-commerce for a lot of different retailers and it may even be a boon for them. Yeah, it's it's a good thing for those other companies, but yeah. We'll just have to wrestle over it when he can come back and we don't have to social distance. <laughs> exactly, there we go. <laughs> well, according to Levi's CEO, Chip Berg, the company has, quote, aggressively cut purchases and canceled orders for the second half of 2020. But it maintains that the company can remain agile during these times and will enhance its ship from stores operations to aid in fulfillment and to get inventory out of its closed stores. Dooner. Big deal or little deal with what Levi's CEO is saying? I think it's also a big deal because companies are starting to learn ways that they should have probably operated pre-coronavirus, right? Like, why wasn't Levi's using their stores as distribution centers, especially if they were over-inventoried? Uh, in segments, it makes sense. You can deliver shipments faster that way. You can use, uh, uh, you know, just-in-time warehousing at, at your stores. But it's also, I mean, think, if there's anyone more prepared for this, it's Levi's. They've been through the flu of 1918, but they also make one of the most classic styles there is in blue jeans. So uh, they're probably the least susceptible to, you know, a pair of 501s going out of style and because they can't get the shipment in from China. So uh, cool to see what, what Levi's is doing. Like it is seeing all of the ramifications across supply chain and how companies are pivoting. Yeah, um, I, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree with I agree with Dooner. For, in one case, it's a little deal because Dooner's not even wearing pants right now. So <laughs> uh, that's you know. not true. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see it. We're, there oh, there we go. go. Oh, there you we got are. your okay. Adidas pants there we are. on. <laughs> run DMC pants. pants. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's got his run DMCs on. But then, then again, I, I, I agree. I think it's a big, big, it's a bigger deal. Uh, and hopefully remains a bigger deal because it's just an example of how, how companies are needing to pivot uh, because of this and how they can become more efficient. Hopefully our supply chain becomes more efficient. So that's my short answer. But I agree. Big, big <laughs> deal. Well, the newly redesigned iPhones could boost sales for Apple, but the company is already bracing for some delays, which may miss the company's traditional September release window. Is this a big deal or a little deal, Michael Vincent? Uh, little deal. 
Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be delayed for a little bit. It's going to miss a miss a, a couple windows. I think in the grand scheme of things, it's a little deal. Maybe it affects their earnings and so on and so forth, and that's a big deal for them and their investors. But overall, and you know, the grand scheme of things that's going on, uh, waiting a couple weeks for or or a month for the brand new iPhone, little deal. No, dead wrong. Dead wrong. Big deal. So we talked about the <laughs> PS5 control pad, right? And and the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X being delayed. And we're talking about the iPhones being delayed. So we're talking about the second half recovery, right? But now we're also talking about all these seasonal items, all these Christmas items, all these holiday items that people buy being delayed. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. And that's really going, and I don't know if enough economists are taking that into account, how much impact that might have on the uh, retail sales season. And a lot of companies are not just counting on it. This is their life, right? So I think it's a huge deal. By the way, Collins, Collins Bryan, he's semi-retired. He said he started in transportation prior to deregulation. And deregulation is much better even with rate capacity swings like we are seeing now. So he's, he doesn't want to go back to dereg. Oh, okay. Good, good comment vote, there. Vote for, vote for not going back to deregulation. <laughs> yeah. A lot, of, a lot of good viewer comments today. Well, looking for something to watch while you're stuck at home, you're in luck. Freight Waves has compiled a list of the best movies include, involving trains, planes, and automobiles. Dooner, big deal or little deal? We have this article on FreightWaves.com. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's a big deal. People are people need to stay entertained while they're at home. But what's also a big deal is the what was omitted from this list, right? So, uh, Steve Barrett and Kellen Wilt they, they they had like a thousand movies on here, but for some reason they didn't have Over the Top, which features the best hero in trucking of all time, Lincoln Hawk, arm wrestling champion, kick-ass truck with an awesome hood ornament of an eagle, symbol of America. I'm not sure how that got left off. And also, Maximum Overdrive, great horror movie, best horror movie about autonomous trucks killing people. Isn't that a warning sign? And then, best villain in trucking, you have a rusty nail from Joyride, and that wasn't on the list. So I got three great movies that should have been on that list, and if you're sitting at home, check them out. I was going to say little deal until I found out that over the top of maximum overdrive, we're not on that list. I know, man. <laughs> now it's a big deal to me. <laughs> now you're invested. Now, yeah, now, exactly. now I'm worried about it. I want to know who, who, who came up with that list. Two, it's of like our, Jaws 4. two people on our staff. So but you'll I, have to I have to agree. Them. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, uh, automobiles is an excellent movie. So. Of course. Yes. <laughs> I can argue that one with you. Yeah, I mean, what, is, on. what, is your, uh, what is your favorite trucking movie, Michael? My favorite, um, what a convoy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That's for, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that was my growing up times, my formative years. Keep on trucking. Is that what got you into trucking? That movie? Uh, no, no, no. It was, <laughs> I lost a bet. You lost a what bet. That's how you got into freight. <laughs> yeah. I was a ski patrol in Taos, New Mexico and roadway offered me a job and my parents told me I had to take it because they didn't pay for college for four years for me to be a ski bum. So there you go. <laughs> I love that story. You learn something new every day about your coworkers. Well, yeah. Wait, Emily, what about you? You got a uh, what? A black dog with Patrick Swayze. You like that one? I've never seen that. I, this oh. is. A, I can't participate in this. Roadhouse, okay. I think is. That's not. I a got some binge, binge watching to do you this the weekend. The word road in it though. <laughs> that's too. That's have road in it. Yeah. Okay, well, live from Zoom, it's Saturday night. SNL was back for their first new episode since the pandemic, but 
you may have noticed the cast was there via Zoom. Is this a big deal or a little deal, Vincent? I, I, I really don't even know how to respond to this. I, I don't watch that. T- I, you know, I, I, I don't watch SNL. I didn't I didn't see it. Um, it sounds to me like it's a it's a little deal. It's a cool publicity stunt type of thing. I don't think that TV is going to go to Zoom. Oh, jeez! I, I love when you, I get to disagree with you. It's a huge deal. <laughs> I'm just setting you up. You paid me ten dollars to for that answer. <laughs> Tom, you took a dive for me. Sorry, I said Tom Bruce. <laughs> I mean Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. He was he had the coronavirus, right? And he made his first public appearance in, I believe it was almost a month since he contracted the coronavirus. Him and his his wife Rita Wilson. He was he was on air hosting the show. It was really it looked like a Zoom meeting with a bunch of comedians. But I love seeing just as we're seeing industries react. Entertainment's another industry, and uh, how we have to react. Speaking of at home, we have to do freight waves at home, freight waves live, and we're going to make that a badass event. And it's super cool to see what media is doing, giving the hand they're dealt. People aren't just throwing up reruns or doing nothing. They're working with what they have to work with. And it's so cool to see that just to see what humanity's done. And I know that like entertainment may not be doctors or, or it may not be nurses or it may not be truckers. Or it may not be that frontline stuff, but we still need to chill out and relax when we get home and keep that mental health, just like the physical health. So I think it's really cool what Saturday Night Live did. And I think it's really cool what all these entertainment companies are doing. All right, I'm not going to concede uh, uh, defeat on that one because I didn't know he was going for the cool factor. If he was going with the cool <laughs> factor, I have to say, yes, very cool. And we I agree with couple. everything that you said. It's, it's much needed, and it is very cool to see what media is doing with this. It's just uh, Saturday Night Live is not going to be on Zoom uh, post-corona. <laughs> You never know. Never say Derek, never. <laughs> Derek Staples says, uh, we're in Trailer Park Boys pants. <laughs> you know what? I just started speaking. Steve, I've never watched Trailer Park Boys, but I hear Sebastian Box in that, so I should probably check it out. But you know what? I did watch Emily. Uh, well, I was laid out with my back injury over the weekend. I watched uh, like three seasons of Silicon Valley. I hadn't seen that before, so uh, I'm really into that one right now. Don't you love it? It It is so funny. And who's your favorite character? <laughs> um, uh, you know what? I like the circumstances more than the characters. Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily know if I like the characters, but I like the contrast, the interplay that they do amongst. Like, I want to stay socially distanced from them, though. Yeah, they would be they would be a tough crew to work with. I I, I would I wouldn't be able to handle the way they function, but it's funny to watch their comedy of airs. It's a really good show. Actually, I like the two coders, the two coders, the Indian yes. dude and the yes. guy with the long hair and the beard. Those guys. Are cool. Their relationship yeah, is funny. Couple votes for movies. Amanda Miller says Smokey and the Bandit. Ooh, uh, yeah. Catherine Whitehouse, she says White Line Fever. Mm. My wife was watching. She says The Wizard. I guess you could technically include that one because we have stuff like Top Gun on this list. So The Wizard, they'd hitch a ride in the back of a truck. So that works. Wizard, where they're trying to get that tournament to play uh, Nintendo. Fred Savage? No. That's a name <laughs> I haven't heard in a really long time. Yeah. Right. He, he's in a lot a, of memes lately about coronavirus. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, you know the scene where he's uh, Peter Fall comes back in to keep reading the 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 Princess Bride to him. He's like, "Okay, where were we?" And he looks at him, "2020." Uh. <laughs> yep, still here, <laughs> still in the and month of got- April. Yeah. we got about a minute left. What's coming up on Freightways TV? So as always on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you guys keep everyone updated with the coronavirus freight market update. That is at noon. So again, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we love the interaction. So if you want to be a part of the conversation, 
hop on like you are right now, the FreightWaves LinkedIn page or FreightWaves Facebook. We will love to answer your questions there. Then on Wednesday, put that coffee down at noon. And we have, um, I forgot, great quarter guys on Tuesday at 2 p.m. Freightonomics, if we go back to Wednesday at 2 p.m. Thursday, coronavirus freight market update. As I said, we have Vincent's freight forecasting at 4 p.m. And then Friday, we are back for what the truck at noon. So we got a lot of stuff and then a lot of shows all throughout. And as you mentioned, Freight Waves at home, that will be May 5th through 7th. So three days of action right here on Freight Waves TV. I cannot wait. Production is dedication time. Hit that music so we can get to it. Boom, thank you to everyone who joined us today. Thank you to, uh, turn that down just a little bit. Thank you to everybody who joined us today. Thank you to, uh, and God bless everybody in prayer for anybody in Chattanooga or yourself who's affected I by the storm. need to bring storms. in my bass guitar so you I can, can play it as a You can follow me on Twitter, at Timothy Dooner. You can follow him, Mike, at Vincent the Dude. She's at Emily Zink. That's S-C-I-N-K. You can do some bad lip reading right now. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on What the Truck. This has been a great time. I don't know why they can't hear me at the same time you're watching the video. We're laughing at you, Dooner. Maybe I should sign off with this. Praise God bless. Thank you to my kids for making that sign, too. It would look really nice on TV.